What up and welcome in. This is the Sun Saturday Irish Podcast with Tyler Rojek and Luke Smith. And after about a dozen combined rewatches of the Clemson game between the two of us, we are officially on to Boston College. Notre Dame heads to Chestnut Hill to take on the Eagles Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. And due to a bunch of postponements across college football due to COVID-19, this is pretty much the biggest game of the week, or at least one of the biggest games of the week, which is sad for college football fans. But it is what it is. And Notre Dame is 13 half-point favorites with the over-under right at 50. And coming off the biggest win of this century for the program, a lot of people are wondering how Notre Dame will look this week against a familiar opponent in Boston College. And Luke, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you've heard it once or twice this week. But the last time Notre Dame knocked off number one in 1993, they proceeded to lose to Boston College a week later. Yeah, well, I can't say I remember that because it was four years before I was born um, and at least five before anybody on this roster not named Sean Crawford. Um, But yeah, I mean, a lot's been made about history in 1993 and right off the start here, I'd like to debunk all that. Um, first off, go ahead. people act like that was some ho-hum BC team that just shocked Notre Dame the week after beating Florida State. No, uh, they, they were ranked 12th in the country and coached by Tom Coughlin, you know, Super Bowl winning Tom Coughlin. They were a damn good team, and they were certainly pissed off after the year prior. Notre Dame put it on them, 52-7, to and they filmed Rudy at halftime of that game. Um, I mean, I can imagine a red-faced Tom Coughlin in that locker room before the 93 game just saying, Frank, good. Don't nothing ever change and just wiling <laughs> up his boys, um, honestly. But but here's the thing. It's, it's stupid to draw a parallel to 27 years ago, and I'm going to regret saying this, but we've won, what, 30 straight games against unranked opponents. How many ever at home? I, I feel like we're truly in a place in the Brian Kelly era where we're upset proof. Oh, boy. Um, and okay. You just jinxed us there. <laughs> no. Uh, well, listen, um, this is a BC team holding on for dear life. They barely beat Syracuse last week, and, and hell, Brian Kelly said it best in his postgame speech after the USF game. We're just too damn good. We can win a national championship, and a championship-caliber team goes out this week after beating the top-ranked team in the land, and, and they just lay the wood to an overmatched opponent. So I, I'm really excited to see that response, and, and that's what I anticipate. One of the more annoying things I've seen about this week is the people – Um, particularly on Twitter, who are like, you know, the coaches need to show this game to the team. Like, I'm going to just let those people know right now. The players don't give a shit at all. No. (laughs) They don't care. Like, why does that affect them at all? Even Even if Boston College was truly some, like, weak garbage team that gets the upset, like, who cares? It doesn't matter at all. This team is not concerned about what happened in 1993 after that game. You know, I I don't understand why people are, like, forcing this down our throats. I'm glad Kelly has made it clear that he hasn't told the team anything, like, or he hasn't brought this game up because um, other people are doing it for him, basically. I mean, yeah, there's the obvious parallel there with the program, but uh, maybe that was, like, a, I don't know, the ACC trying to get at Notre Dame on this schedule, but I really don't think that matters at all. Well, and here's the other thing that I honestly just thought of. Like, everybody knows at 93, that ruined Notre Dame's chance to the national title, even though they still should have won it anyways because they beat the national champions Florida State. In 2020, uh, one loss doesn't eliminate you from playoff contention. Um, You know, obviously, if we can still lose a game and play Clemson again in the ACC title and then go to the playoff, it's just such a different dynamic, which I think – 
makes the comparison even dumber because when that was a truly devastating loss 27 years ago, like, you know, I, I just said we're upset for you, but one loss doesn't do you in. So I, I just think it's a really silly comparison and I'm not concerned about it. Um, but, but just something else to throw out there as well. So, you know, we mentioned the 1993 game, but we had to now the real storyline of the game, the one that actually is prevalent to this team and this roster is the story of Phil Dracovic. Came in to Notre Dame, he committed actually during the debacle of the 2016 season when Notre Dame was 4-8 and eight and was pretty much listed as the savior before he even stepped on campus. Notre Dame football program was in a bad place. He was a really um, high recruit out of Western Pennsylvania, grew up a fan of the team, and it, and it seemed like a perfect match. And like a lot of other cases at Notre Dame, when, when the highly touted quarterback recruit at Notre Dame comes in, it hasn't really worked out, at least under the Brian Kelly era. Phil Dracovic ends up transferring. A lot's been made about sort of what led to that and then was amplified after his exit when he went on this weird Twitter tirade and and started, I don't want to say bashing, but making weird remarks about Notre Dame and and even posted like peculiar memes of him in, in a jail cell with Brian Kelly outside. I don't know. The whole deal was really strange. It seemed like the root of it all was Chip Long, who's no longer even with the program, but I mean, we have to touch on that because that's the one that matters. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I mean, I've come out and said it. I'm pretty anti-Phil Djokovic. Um, I just think he's looked like a real ass since he left Notre Dame. Um, you he know, walk, he did walk think, back on it this week, well, which is expected, yeah. He doesn't want Clark Lee unleashing hell on him. Um, that said, I do think he's pretty well-liked among the team. Um, you know, I think this is more of a me thing and fans like me who are just like, what a jackass, but <laughs> it's funny. Um, I was going back, and uh, when Notre Dame beat LSU in the Citrus Bowl to end the 2017 season on New Year's Day 2018, of course, that's the game where Ian Book kind of broke out, comes in, plays the whole second half for Brandon Wimbush, uh, throws the catch to, to Miles Boykin, we beat LSU. And looking at uh, Matt Fortuna's game recap of that, I'm reading it right now, and it's asking, you know, what does this mean moving forward? Is there going to be a, a quarterback competition going into the 2018 season? Um, and it says, you know, for all Wimbush's struggles this season, his job was never truly threatened by Book, at least not before the bowl game. And the staff, both publicly and privately, is absolutely enamored with the recently signed Phil Jerkovic, a four-star dual-threat quarterback from Western Pennsylvania's Pine Richland High. And then it says... And again, these coaches were publicly and privately in love with Wimbush, too, before we started playing on Saturdays. So what happens moving forward is anyone's guess, although more competition at that position can only be a good thing. You know, that's not even written three years ago yet. And uh, wow, it, pretty foreshadowing, just like you never know what's going to happen with these guys who come in super highly touted. And here we are with Phil Jerkovic at Boston College playing Notre Dame less than three years from the publication of that article. Um Obviously, he's had a lot of success this year to date, but uh, you know, I, I don't think he would have thought he'd be playing for Jeff Halfley in the in the Eagles um, in 2020 three years ago. Phil Dracovic was in the same class as Trevor Lawrence, same recruiting class, and on National Signing Day, Brian Kelly said he saw Phil as as an equal talent or potentially even better than Trevor Lawrence. Now, I think. <laughs> In hindsight, <laughs> that might have been a reach, <laughs> even if uh, things had panned out for Phil and he maybe maxed out his talent. But that's just how high the Notre Dame coaching staff was on Phil Dracovic. So it's sort of like a 
a sad story in a way that like how it worked out at Notre Dame because like I said he he did grow up a fan and it's not really private information anymore. A uh, big reason why I transferred is because of Chip Long, like I was saying earlier. And Ryan Harris, former Notre Dame offensive lineman, went on the Shamrock and basically said that he had seen Chip Long and how he acted at Notre Dame football practices. He said it was terrible. He's never seen any, like, just downright ridiculous how he acted. And I think it's interesting, too, like, fiery coaches. Like, we've talked to some offensive linemen in the past, like Sam Bush, Plants, Mike McGlinchey. They talk about Harry Heastan and how crazy he was, how he'd lay into players all the time and how he'd yell and scream. But the way they talked about him was extremely endearing, and they, they appreciated it, and they knew that Heastan was truly trying to get the best out of him. It doesn't appear that's how any of the players perceived the way Long treated them. And, you know, if that led to a decline in Jerkovic's confidence and it messed up his whole rhythm and everything, like, good for him for finding a new opportunity. It obviously didn't work out at Notre Dame. But again, I think the animosity all comes back to the way, like what he was saying after he left. He walked back on it, but uh, now it's put up or shut up time. I think a lot of Notre Dame fans, too, who said that Phil Jerkovic would be a better quarterback than Ian Book right now. I think this weekend look like idiots. Yeah, I think this weekend. Well, after last weekend, yeah, and I think after this weekend too, that's going to continue. Yeah, and I have never felt so vindicated in my life for standing on that hill and random group chats on Tuesday saying "shut the hell up about Dracovic books our guy." Um, and I can't wait to feel even more vindicated after this weekend. Yeah, so tell me about it. What's going to happen when Boston College has the ball this weekend? Right. So Stanford Steve was talking about this the other day, and he was actually talking about the North Carolina game, and he suggested that Mac Brown might just have Sam Howell throw every play. Um, obviously, he was being facetious, but to be honest, Jeff Halfley and his offensive coordinator, Frank Signetti, might actually want to consider doing that <laughs> with Phil Dracovic and these receivers. By the way, uh, Frank Signetti came over from the Packers. That name just sounds like he should be in the Sopranos, and I, I looked him up. Kind of looks a little bit like the adult version of the actor who plays AJ Soprano. So I'm kind of just, I have this image in my head <laughs> after Dracovic gets hit time after time by Dalen Hayes and the boys before finally leaving the game, just exclaiming, So what? No fucking ZD now? Like, I, 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 I can't get that out of my head. But Boston College coaching staff, their defensive coordinator, his name is Tem Lukabu. Like peekaboo, but with your yeah. first name. You know, Signetti sounds like he should have been under Adazio, just a bunch of mob bosses, but um, <laughs> I digress. Here's the thing. Boston College can't run a lick. Um, as I mentioned here, a few weeks ago, some of my friends were bemoaning the fact that we have Ian Book and not Phil. Staunch Ian Book apologist that I am, although now I don't think I need to be that after Saturday night. I looked up Boston College because they were trying to throw these stupid passing stats in my face. And the offenses are just trying to do two completely different things, Notre Dame and Boston College. You know, Boston College is second to last in the ACC in rushing, ahead of only lowly Syracuse. Can't run the ball at all, and, and they throw a bunch at a play action. You know, Phil's stats are a little bit inflated because of what they're forced to do when he's just throwing the ball up to receivers. And I really think Kelly put it best in his presser this week when he was asked to compare, you know, how he thought Phil's game had progressed since his time at Notre Dame. And Kelly said, you know, he's in a completely different offense than the one we asked him to be a part of last year. First off, he came out of high school in a spread offense, you know, just catch and throw. Last year, he was in an RPO offense. And, and now he's in a play-action offense with six, seven-man protection. So it's just really hard to compare what Ian Book's doing compared to what 
Phil's doing. I mean, we have arguably the best rushing attack in the ACC. I think statistically it's third, maybe best offensive line in the country. Um, It's just, they're doing such different things that it's really hard to compare. Now that said, Phil has had a really good year making plays out of the pocket, but I wouldn't be shocked if he throws the ball 40 times on Saturday. Um, and, and here's the thing. They do have some weapons in the past game who, by the way, might have bailed Phil out a little bit in that Clemson game. Um, they were awesome in that game. They like oh, yeah. Zay Flowers and C.J. Lewis were incredible. The, the plays they yes. made in the end zone were unbelievable. And you mentioned Zay Flowers. Um, he's a stud. Deep ball threat. I think he has like 11 catches for over 20 yards this year. Can also get you on the sweep. Um, it's it's going to be a, a fun battle with Nick McLeod, and it's definitely a good thing that we, we see a receiver of that caliber as we move forward in this season. They also have the tight end with the most catches in the country, Hunter Long. Um, that's a weapon. Um, going to be interesting to see that matchup as well. So, you know, I think they're going to take a bunch of deep shots. They throw a bunch of deep balls, and we're going to have to be prepared for that. And and frankly, last week we didn't do that well against the deep ball. We got burned a couple times. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with Tariq Bracey and, and Clarence Lewis because um, obviously Tariq got yanked right after that D touchdown. I only played eight, eight pl- snaps yeah, total. Our boy Clarence Lewis. And, uh, and are those eight snaps, uh, does that count special teams? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he was out there on special teams. So that really means he only played a couple defensive snaps. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how that shakes itself out. Kelly was pretty noncommittal about it when asked, um, but it's going to be a challenge for our D-backs, and I'm, I'm excited to see how they respond to that. But but the bottom line is the offensive line is not very good. Um, they don't have A.J. Dillon out there. And, and after what Notre Dame did to Clemson last week, I don't really know why BC would even try to run the ball. To end, I made a lot of the Phil Dracovic angle um, – the reality is I think he was fairly well-liked among the team, and you know they certainly don't want to lose to him, but I, I don't anticipate they have a, a big chip on their shoulder to beat the hell out of him either. Um, however, and, and I know it's a different AD who led the coaching search, um, as stoic as Clark Lee is, I doubt that he's forgotten that Jeff Halfley got this Boston College job over him last offseason. So don't be shocked if, if he's ready to, to really put it on the Eagles in a, in a certain way Saturday. Yeah, in a way, I almost feel grateful that the week after Notre Dame has this humongous win, they're playing a team that, A, really wants to beat them. They're a rival, um, one of the 50 rivals that Notre Dame does have, and they're going to become ready to play, and I think the team knows that. And, you know, you've got the Jakovic angle. You've got the coaching angle. I fully expect Notre Dame to be prepared and ready to play, but something we talked about a little bit before we were recording is how Notre Dame might use Kyle Hamilton differently. Cause like you touch on, they're mm-hmm. going to throw a lot of deep balls against Clemson. Hamilton was playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He's kind of just almost spying ETN. And it worked. You didn't see him too often back on deep balls. That's kind of why we got burned so many times. I think is because the corners, they basically put him on, I don't want to say an Island, but they didn't have the help of the best player on the entire team back there with him. Given the fact that Boston college can't run the ball fully anticipate Hamilton to make a few more plays in pass coverage. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I will be interested to see kind of how the, the usage differs there. I guess just kind of big picture too. Like it seems like everybody, the spread's 13 and a half right now. It seems like everybody thinks that's a lot of points. People are starting to, you know, think, oh, this is an easy letdown spot here, which of course there's some sort of letdown after you beat the number one team in the country. However, just like with everything there um, and everybody leaning that way, honestly just makes me think the Irish 
kind of like last year's Navy game, just go out there and hammer them, and it's Vegas ends up building a new casino. <laughs> a new casino off of Notre Dame Boston College. Are you suggesting that people are just a lot of money? They're just that. Hey, there's not a, there's not a lot of games. There's not a lot of games. Yeah, there's no games. What's the other marquee matchup like Wisconsin Michigan? Uh, Wisconsin, yeah, one and zero Wisconsin against one and two Michigan. And I know you're going to be tuned into Northwestern Purdue, the Smart Kids Bowl. That's going to be a barn burner. We're calling Purdue. I guess Purdue's kind of smart. Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> Engineering school. They're smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. When Notre Dame has the ball, I expect Notre Dame to run and then continue to run and then probably run some more, even though Book had just had a <laughs> phenomenal game. This is the same Boston College team that gave up 350 rushing yards against Virginia Tech on 41 attempts. They averaged eight and a half yards per carry. Meanwhile, Notre Dame side, Franchise Williams has rushed for over 100 yards in four consecutive games. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't do that again. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tyree or Sebo also eclipsed 100 yards because I think they're going to just be running it that often. The one thing I will say is this Boston College defense is they have a good coach. I mentioned his name, Tim Lukabu. I'm probably going to say his name like five more times because I like saying Lukabu. <laughs> but... They they don't have any NFL guys, and they're actually pretty damn small. The average defensive lineman on their team is 272 pounds, and going against Notre Dame, where the average offensive lineman is 308, I expect Notre Dame's offensive line to bully them. But they honestly, for you know, for all their faults or for their lack of size, rather, Boston College has played pretty well. Last year, their defense was absolutely horrid. They gave up an average of 32.2 per game, which is 101 nationally this year much better 24.6 points a game which is in the top 40 in the country right at 40 so I think they're going to play hard but I think Notre Dame is eventually going to wear them down and we've talked about this before where Notre Dame really excels is on third down because they put themselves in good position on first and second down by running the ball they've converted 10 or more third downs in three consecutive games and Boston College's defense not so good on third down Uh, their opponents convert 61.5 percent of the time that's ideal for Notre Dame. I expect Book, I don't think Book's going to light it up. I don't think he's going to um, be throwing it that much. It'll be interesting to see if they keep up the deep ball threat. You know, that was the thing that people criticize him on all season. And then Book threw eight passes, more than 20 yards against Clemson, and pretty much <laughs> saved the season in a way. Really, the only thing that could get in the way of Notre Dame winning this game is is themselves. We've talked about the red zone struggles before. Those red zone woes continued against Clemson. They left a lot of points on the board, particularly mm-hmm. in the first half. Books fumble in the red zone um, was almost crucial. Now, in overtime, they managed to score two touchdowns, win the game. That was huge. But another thing to keep an eye on, Boston College's defense is really good at forcing turnovers. They've caused 14 takeaways this season. That's fifth in the country. And, you know, Notre Dame, they've had some really unfortunate turnovers at key junctures in the game. I mean... I guess Kyron Williams's uh, fumble against Georgia Tech wasn't like, you know, a game changer, but it could have been, you know, if, if Georgia Tech wasn't just an awful football team, that could have been pretty <laughs> costly. Um, yeah. But that's pretty much it. That's the only really thing I'm seeing um, when Notre Dame has the ball that I think could could really cause problems is just turnovers. If, if Boston College is able to um, get a couple picks, they, they force a couple fumbles, then all of a sudden we might have a game here. But that's pretty much all they're putting up um, on the defensive side. Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned the deep ball threat there. Um, I agree. I don't think we're going to throw the ball a hell, well, you know, nearly as much as we did this past week. 
Um, I guess something interesting, though, you know, kind of our main threat in the deep ball game was Javon McKinley, and I didn't even realize that he got a concussion in the Clemson game. Um, I don't know when that happened. I didn't either. I saw Samson tweet about it uh, this afternoon, and I was Looks like he cleared protocol. Um, Who knows, you know, how much he'll be used. Um, I also go back and forth on how I feel about him. Um, (laughs) I think you, along with everyone else in the entire fan base. (laughs) But, yeah, that'll be interesting to see his usage. Yeah. I mean, we really put it on these guys last year. I think it was like 40 to 7. And you mentioned their defense last year was was putrid. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think just run, 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 get on to the bye week is just kind of got to be the focus here. Just get through this one and then put your feet up and, and get ready for UNC. Who do you think is more motivated to have a, a bigger performance, Dracovic or Book in this one? So that's a good question. I, I, I'm going to say Dracovic. Yeah, I, I don't think Book really cares after last week. That's that's what I was going to say. If last week hadn't happened, maybe a different story. But then again, I mean, like, Kelly's comments were pretty interesting. Um, you know, they asked him what was Book and Dracovic's relationship like. He was like, oh, you know, they were supportive. Um, I don't know that they ran in the same circle. I can tell you right now, there's no way they ran in the same circle. Um <laughs> But yeah, because books way cooler. <laughs> Our uh, <yeah>. boy, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, maybe he is motivated, and that's why it's a good thing to just keep that uh, that killer mentality on and, and really just be ready. I mean, I don't know about you, watching his interview on SVP this week, he just seems like otherworldly confident, and he's always been a confident guy. But just watching his responses just doesn't seem flappable. Um, just was giving perfect, like almost coach speak type responses to Scott Van Pelt's questions, which I think is a good thing. You want to see out of your quarterback. He, he's acting like a fifth year senior. And I think he's, you know, singularly focused on a national championship. And, you know, you got to understand that going on the road to uh, an empty chestnut hill is just the next test in that line. Bare empty chestnut hill. They're not even letting parents yeah. in. That's bullshit. I, I will say, have you did you you went to that did you go to that game a couple years ago in Boston College? Yeah. No, I was in South Bend. Well, no, nah, I was yeah. <laughs> I, I was not you there. Did, it, they sold beer, Ooh. but it was the worst stadium I've ever watched a game in. Michigan State, worse than Michigan State. Yep. Yep. Wow. Worst campus too. Like the people are just assholes. Because just they didn't Boston. Get in Notre Dame. That's just Boston. They didn't get in Notre Dame. Have you been? Like, did you venture outside of Chestnut Hill? Yeah, we went. We went downtown. I mean, that was fun, but the people yeah. are like fine there. But outside of Michigan and Miami, like right there, like just like and for no reason, like we're not, you know, rivals, so to speak. We're rivals. I think there's a trophy rivals. in this game. There is a trophy, right? The sh- there's, sh- I don't know what that is. <laughs> there's a, but there's a trophy. Brian like Kelly's six and zero against Boston College. That's going to move to seven on Saturday. All right. Well, on that note, you want to give a score prediction? Yeah. Um, I really don't think this one's close. I think it's over by halftime. Um, I'm going 38-13 Irish. Um, I think BC gets a touchdown and a couple field goals. Really hard score, two touchdowns against Clark Lee's defense if you're not Clemson. Um, And I just think we're too damn good for this one to be in doubt. Um, You got to take care of business. Like I said, you know, get healthy during the bye week and just get ready for UNC. If if you're really a a championship contender, um, that's what a championship contender does after uh, an emotional win. They go out and take care of business and, and leave no doubt. So um, I'm going 38-13, just too big, too strong, um, way better than Boston College. I'm close to you. 
uh, 34-17, Notre Dame win. I see some parallels with this game, uh, Notre Dame versus Boston College, compared to last year when LSU played Ole Miss the week after they knocked off Alabama. Okay. Alabama, like for years and years, LSU was trying to beat Alabama. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Then, you know, finally it did. And it was a, you know, program-defining win. Next week, they end up giving up 37 points to Ole Miss, a far inferior team. But that game was pretty much over at halftime. I think the letdown started in the second half. Maybe they kind of called the dogs off a little bit. So I expect Notre Dame to score on the first drive. It'll be the third straight time they've done that. And then they'll just run the ball, wear them down. But I do think that Boston College is going to take a ton of deep shots. Will they convert all of them? No, but I think they're going to convert a couple of them. Zay Flowers and C.J. Lewis, like we said, good receivers can make plays, especially on 50-50 balls. They're extremely good at those. And, you know, they'll make some chunk plays. They'll get in the end zone twice, which, I mean, seems like a ton on a Clark Lee defense these days. But we'll get more Jonathan Doerr, X-Factor, and uh, Notre Dame ends up covering at 34-17. I like it. Yeah. Um, Cover Dame, back again. That's all we can ask for. That's right. All right. We'll be back on Tuesday with a game recap, hopefully talking about a Notre Dame win. Until then, talk to you soon. Bye.